You are Locked On AFL, your daily AFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On AFL. I'm your host, Kane Pittman. Particularly with a pathetic effort from Pitt. I mean, it was the most disgraceful display I've ever seen from a big film. That's pretty hard on an individual, but he's going to have to live with that. And alongside me, as always, is Josh Lloyd. Lloyd is Lloyd. Lloyd to Lloyd. 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 Kane, have you announced that you're staying in Sydney? I would like to go to Sydney. I actually, the last few weeks or the last few months, I've applied for a bunch of jobs interstate trying to get out of Victoria. Traitor. No bites yet. That is, uh, that's disappointing, Kane. Although I suppose you you live in Geelong, so anything out of there is uh, <laughs> is going to be better than uh, than staying in Geelong. So I understand that. But uh, Tom Papley has apparently informed the Swans that he is uh, wanting to stay in Sydney after the overtures of Carlton last season, and Carlton really hopeful to get him again this off season. But he looks like he is staying in Sydney. That's probably going to be the last time we talk about Sydney for a while, to be honest, because their their round eighteen game doesn't have too many. Um, too much of an impact on the finals, but there there are ten teams, eleven teams, ten teams left battling for the the eight. I've, I've forgotten where, where we're at. There's uh, ten teams left for those uh, for those eight spots at the moment, and uh, some injury news came out across the weekend against some teams that are battling for that spot and uh, teams that are really pushing for the premiership. With a couple of ACLs to Ivan Soldo at Richmond, and then yesterday Toby McLean in the first couple of minutes of the game. Looking like hasn't been confirmed with McLean, but that's almost a guarantee that ACL is gone. So that's uh, bad news in round 17. McLean's been in and out a couple of times, um, Josh, and, and you're probably the best man, obviously, on this podcast to talk about what he brings, what this will mean for the dogs. Uh, I think the the big thing that, that really sucks for these guys that are going down with serious injuries like that at this time of year, because it's already September, uh, nearing October, it's probably going to rule them out next year as well, which is the the obviously the brutal part of all this. But... As far as this finals go, because the dogs do look like they're in a pretty good position here that they're going to lock that spot in. So uh, what does this mean for the dogs? Well, McLean you know, went from you know, early in his career a, uh, a half-forward goal-kicker type to a bit of time in the midfield. And this year, he's played that half-forward role, but more of a defensive role. And then last week against the Eagles, played a defensive role on Gaff, did a defensive forward role on Whitfield earlier in the season as well. And as a real shutdown player, he was massive. He kicked the first goal in this game against Hawthorne, and then a minute later, tore his ACL. And the Bulldogs don't really have that same sort of player to come in. I imagine someone like Pat Lipinski comes in to replace him, but his defensive pressure is pretty poor. So finding that guy that they can throw on to opponents, and maybe they take on the Eagles again in round one of the finals if they do happen to get the job done against the Dockers this week. Not having someone like McLean who's turned himself into a really strong tackler and a very, very disciplined defensive player when he's given that role, I don't think it's going to be all that easy. So while he doesn't always appear to be the guy that's putting up the big numbers and there's plenty of other guys ahead of him for the Bulldogs, last week I talked about how he was perhaps the best man on the ground for the Dogs and whether that would be reflected in coaches' votes. It was. He got nine out of, uh, I think, nine votes from a five and a four from the two coaches. That's uh, a hole that is not easy to fill. And we'll see how that goes, but that's a it's a brutal blow for Toby and for the team. Yeah, it is no doubt, and it'll be interesting where the dogs land here. There was also some news that sort of came through over the last twelve hours that West Coast, and again, yeah, depending on what happens this week. And I know you said Sydney's game maybe doesn't have too much of an impact on the eight, but it will for the Cats because now Geelong, and we're going to move into Geelong Richmond here, but Geelong have to win that game to finish top four, so it's going to have some meaning on the Geelong end of things, but. As far as 
um, the Tigers go. And I, I think Soldo, and let me just say this, by the way, that was disgusting when Soldo was trying to walk off and you saw his, his, his knee buckle like that. Like you don't often see the knee go like that. And that was obviously the telltale sign that he had uh, torn his ACL there. There's no doubt about that. With Richmond, before we dive into the game specifically, uh, we've spoke a little bit about the fact they are rolling with Nankervis and Soldo, and then obviously they have the talls down back and the talls up forward. So a pretty tall team. Lynch also goes down with a hamstring injury. I'm not sure how long that's going to keep him out. Clearly a bad time of year to have that type of injury. But this will probably force the Tigers to go to one Ruckman. How do you feel about that? I, I'm kind of, uh, you know, aside from the fact that, you know, we wish Soldo didn't tear his ACL, uh, I don't actually mind the, the balance of the team for the Tigers going back to one ruck. Yeah, we talked about the concerns we had with running those two rucks and if Nankervis and Soldo could go up forward and it worked against Nat Nui. But the other option they can do is bring in uh, maybe or Cholt to be a pinch mm-hmm. hit ruckman as well. Like he's been in and out of the team, played quite a bit early on yeah. and has been out. So if they do want a second big man to come in, they can bring Chol in to do that. So I don't think, yeah, Soldo has been pretty good most of the season, but I think they can get away with just running Nankervis and then throwing yeah, Chol in there if necessary yeah, as a second ruckman. But I don't think it's horrible for Soldo. I don't think it's a complete disaster for Richmond. The Lynch injury, of course, is something they're going to watch. I'm pretty sure he won't play uh, round 18, but whether he's ready for the finals remains to be seen. But I think they can get by with the Soldo situation just by throwing a few things around and uh, yeah, moving more to that one-ruck setup. So this game, we hoped, or we sort of spoke about the fact that it could have been one of the games of the year. And you know, in re- reality, even though the Cats... sort of, somewhat, tried to make this a bit of a game in the fourth quarter. It was kind of ridiculous that it was in that position anyway. Richmond kicked seven goals, 15 for the night. It was really a beatdown. And I've I've said this before, and I've written about it, if I can plug my own work once again, uh, that the Cats' biggest concerns coming into finals will be coming up against teams that are fresh and teams that can really bring that pressure. Now, clearly, Richmond is on the extreme end of this. They're probably the best team in the league when they're absolutely up and running. Uh, they've been in great form. So I don't think it's the end of the world for the Cats to to have this happen to them now. But there's no doubt about it. This was not close. This was a, this was <laughs> the, the Tigers completely destroyed the Cats, really, from the opening bounce. Is there, you know, I saw this posited somewhere. Is there some relevance to the theory that Geelong maybe sort of put the cue in the rack in this one, trying to dent the Eagles' chances of top four and them getting a double chance uh, with the confidence that they could beat Sydney and keep themselves in the top four just to eliminate West Coast out of that uh, out of that group <laughs> and not really extending themselves too much here against Richmond in a game where if they went full tilt, maybe injuries could add up uh, heading into the finals. Is there anything in that or is it they just, uh, they just weren't on? No, there's nothing in that. I mean, I could I can say this as a fan that I think that um, the the Cats probably can't beat Richmond twice in in the space of a month anyway. So was I absolutely devastated that they lost? No, I think sometimes if you're going to lose, it's better to get smashed so you can really pull it apart and say, well, okay, what happened in this game? And again, this is the difference with the Cats. They play that slow possession game, same as West Coast. I think Geelong even more so. And Richmond bring that pressure. And as soon as you mess up the game a little bit, Geelong get disorganized. And and that's where things start to go wrong for them, particularly moving forward. I thought the back six again held up for the Cats. But the problem was that they got no space in the forward line. And I think, you know, when I look at this Geelong team, do I think they can win the flag? Uh, I think so. I think they can because their best footy is matched up pretty well against most of the top teams. Obviously, it failed on, on Friday. But the thing that they can't afford 
is to have players out of their best team. They just can't. They need absolutely everything to go right. And I think we saw the difference of Gary Rowan as that second forward compared to Saba Radicalia. Now, Radicalia took a few marks late in the game. Great. But the, what Gary Rowan brings is the forward pressure. He, he's smart in the 450. He stays the hell out of the way of Tom Hawkins. So then Dylan Grimes can't come back and have one of the games of the season for him. He was unbelievable. But Hawkins, for most of the night, was going up against two or three. And I thought that that was the Cats that played into Rich, Richmond's hands more than anything. So I don't know. I, I think the Cats will go back and have a look at it. But uh, ultimately, this is the big concern if you're a Geelong fan. How do they stand up against pressure? And I spoke about some of those games against St. Kilda, Port Adelaide, these teams that they won, they were on short breaks. Richmond had nine days off. So they were able to bring the pressure. And they were prepared. And they knew what the Cats were trying to do. And they dismantled them. So the Cats have got some players to come back in. But so do the Tigers. So I'm not sure. Um, I don't think it's the end of the world, as I said. But clearly, this was the, the Cats' vulnerability uh, being shown to everyone. You're not sure it's going to be all that indicative if they do meet up in the finals as well, because you mentioned you know, the, the urgency will be different, but players returning, like you could get you know, Ablett and Selwood back for Geelong and Richmond, depending on what happens with Lynch, whether he's in or not. Like the, the makeup of these teams could look pretty different if they do match up in a couple of weeks. Speaking about a couple of other teams, though, Kane, who are you know, up in the top of the finals, we know the top two is locked in, Port and Brisbane, both on 52 points. So it's really just a matter of which one of those gets top spot or second spot, but they are in the top two. So that's... That's yeah, great for those teams and great for fans of, for those fans there. But Lockie Neal, he had a tackle uh, against Nick Blakey late, well, third quarter, I think it was, uh, last night's game. One of the dangerous tackles, and we've said all year, we just have no idea what the hell's going to happen with dangerous tackles. There's been ones that look like they should have been pinged and others that look pretty soft that did get pinged. We also had Bailey Smith um, get pinged for a dangerous tackle in terms of a free kick against against Hawthorne. Now, I'm sure it will get looked at. I, I don't think the Bailey Smith one, I'm, I'm biased, of course, but also the head <laughs> didn't didn't even hit the ground uh, in his tackle against Hawthorne, so I don't think there's anything in that. But do you think there's anything to worry about with Neil? I don't think there is. No, I, I don't think there was any second action. I don't think there was a slinging motion. It was kind of just uh, the momentum so of the tackle him, that carried him, him forward. forward. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, if anything, it's probably one of those ones where if, if he still had the ball. So the problem was that the ball sort of came out of the player's hands, uh, Blakey's hands, and he sort of just drove him forward. But when I saw that on first replay, I didn't think anything of it at all. Of course, it, it got highlighted yeah, multiple times in the broadcast, and now it's all over the news this morning. But no, I, my first reaction was that it was absolutely nothing. Free yep. kick for sure, no doubt about it. But yep. I mean, you know, again, just because a player's head hits the ground, this stuff is going to happen. It doesn't automatically mean it was a dangerous tackle. Blakey got up holding his balls rather than his head as well. So I don't, I don't think, I don't think he was. Too, he played out the game as well. So I don't think he was too bothered there. Again, his head hit the ground, but he was fine. The Smith tackle, uh, the guy's head didn't hit the ground. He was fine. I don't think every time we see that motion or a head hitting the ground, people panic about it. I don't think. I think we're pretty rough. If those blokes got suspended, um, they're not getting, even if they did, they're not getting more than one week. But I think it would be pretty rough if they get suspended at all. But it is something that we are going to hear about in the next yeah, couple of hours, maybe, as, as the MRO comes down with decisions on those ones. Let's move from teams who are playing well to teams who are absolutely shit house. Again, the uh, Carlton team. Maybe, maybe Carlton wasn't too bad because Adelaide, one of the form teams of the competition with three wins in a row, but that is absolutely terrible for a team that mathematically still had a chance to make the finals. Carlton to be down 44 points at halftime. Yes, they made a second half comeback. And then David Teague's coming out. Oh, we're not far away. Now, I said that Carlton supporters would be pretty happy with this season overall. And when you look at it overall, they should be. But 
the fade outs, the non-appearances in quarters and halves is astonishing from this team. And to lose to Adelaide when you still have that chance is, uh, they're not the only ones that have done it, but it's pretty disappointing. No, it is. And Brisbane this week, so, you know, I mean, they're, they're a chance, obviously, to win that game. Cullen's been in, in in the game most weeks. I mean, it's rare that they're not, even though, I guess, the last two weeks, even the win against Sydney, they were down by 40 points and had to come back. And they tried to do the same thing yesterday against Adelaide. But, you know, they're probably going to finish the season 7-10. and 10. And I said last week, or a couple of weeks ago now, that I thought if you're a Carlton fan, you'd be pretty frustrated. And I don't think the last couple of weeks has done anything to help that because... You know, yes, they they squeaked out that that Sydney win, and it, it might have been a poor free kick. There's a lot of things that went into this, but ultimately they could have lost that game. There's no doubt about that. And if they had have, it would have been a complete disaster. This was a team that I think, when I look at the teams at the bottom of the eight, so your Melbournes, your GWS, Collingwood, these teams that are just around there, I, I don't think Carlton's been far off the mark. So when Tiggy says that, I think he's right. But I don't think being in that group is anything to be too excited about right now. So I guess the question for Carlton will be in the offseason. And because I've highlighted this a few times, I, I still watch them and I still see Kerno doing a lot. And Murphy's obviously been a, a key player in Kate Simpson. So I think the key for Carlton is I don't think that they can just expect next year that they'll just continue to rise because I, I think the young players are really good, but I think that they, they are going to need to recruit and not recruit guys that are, that are towards the end of their career or their prime We've spoken about Zach Williams. He's certainly a guy that they should be really interested in. And he can play the Kate Simpson role and bring that attack from the back line. Papley, that's a real blow because he could have been your Eddie Betts and slipped straight into there, into that team. And, and then, you know, I think the midfield probably needs someone a little bit more explosive. So we, we've seen over the weekend there's some talk about Jack Viney. I don't like that move for Carlton because at times, to me, they look a little bit slow anyway in there. Yeah, that is uh, that is a concern. They do. I feel like they do need that extra type of midfielder. Yeah. We know that the, yeah, Cripps works as a midfielder, but he is not an explosive type guy. He did kick a great goal on the weekend, but there is <laughs> there is still some concern for where this team goes and where that upper level talent comes in and how they approach this offseason is going to be huge. Before we do get to talking about the Giants, which we're going to talk about in a second, though, there is some news that just come through. Ben Stratton and Paul Puopolo are retiring, uh, mm. so they are they're finishing off. There are after Sunday's game against the Suns. Um, I think no surprise there with Popolo, especially Ben Stratton. Maybe a little bit surprising, but he is uh, he is hanging him up after Sunday's game. So best of luck to both of those blokes in their in their career finales over the weekend. But the Giants, another loss from them this time against Melbourne. We said that one of these teams had to win. We didn't know who it was going to be because they've been just pissing them away every week. This one was sort of back and forth, but the Giants end up going down by five points here, and they're. Um, chances of making the finals are really hamstrung now. They do have to take on St. Kilda in the next round, but their percentage is so poor that even if they do win that, they are not guaranteed of making it in because they'll be on 36, the same as the Saints, the same as the Dogs. Now, there's a 3.5 percentage point difference between the Bulldogs and the Giants, and St. Kilda is like 11 percentage points higher. So that would be hard to overcome. They're probably going to need yeah, a Melbourne loss and a, a couple of Collingwood losses and or, or a massive win for them against St. Kilda to get in. So it's been a really disappointing season, and it just continues. The dropping of Canelio didn't help. They made seven changes. Where does this team go? Is it a Leon Cameron problem? Is it a player culture problem? It's just so confusing that the team that can be considered this good is just so poor by their standards. Well, I don't want to keep harping on it, but they just extended Leon Cameron. So I, 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 guess, I guess they don't think it's a Leon Cameron problem. But yeah, I mean, I, I think any time that you get to the end of the season and you're dropping your skipper in a game that you desperately have to win and... 
I think that that says that there's something going on there. Cornelio clearly would have or could have been used in this game at his best. There's no doubt about that. And and the Giants swung the changes, and I, I understand why, but they are, they just fall short again. But there is certainly some concerns for them moving forward as well, because I, you know, it would take a bit of luck for them to make the eight at this point. So you have to say. Losing to Richmond in a grand final, I don't like your chances the following year. It hasn't been good for <laughs> Adelaide. It hasn't well. been good for the Giants, has it? No, it, ha- it hasn't. It hasn't worked out well for those teams at all. The Giants one is—it's it, so confusing. But they have—is there been any game this year where they have turned it on? Like, okay, so they sit—you know, where, where they sit? You know, equal with Melbourne. Um, yeah, half a game behind Collingwood, a game behind the Bulldogs. But the Bulldogs have turned it on in games and go, they look really good. Collingwood's had really good games. Melbourne's had some games where they look dominant, like against Collingwood. But has there been a game where you've gone, oh, the Giants are back, they're rolling? Maybe that one against... Um, there was a game where they kicked 90 Freya. odd points. Yeah, against Freya, when they won that by... Was, okay. it, was yeah. it maybe that game? Is, is that yeah. it? Like, I feel like they haven't turned it on at all. Well, Freo were great. Uh, sorry, GWS were great against Freo. And the, the reason why I had so much optimism after that game was because uh, Freo were a team that had defended so well, basically every single week. So for them to, ab- to be able to, to cut them apart and look like that attacking team that we've seen, I thought, well, hang on a second. Maybe the Giants are back here and they're going to peak at the right time of year. Outside of that, they've won some close games. Obviously, Collingwood game was pretty close there. Richmond, obviously, they, they were competitive. You know, they looked like they were able to match it with these teams. Um, uh, unfortunately, outside of that, the only game that I can really picture the Giants playing that free-flowing, breakneck, beautiful skills, great efficiency football was round one against Geelong, and that was back in March, which begs the question, what happened during the time off for the Giants? Because this is the thing for me. I'm still going to probably uh, look at this team next year, and, and clearly there could be some significant changes. So I spoke about Zach Williams. No one knows what's going on with Jeremy Cameron. Stephen Cornelio, what, what does he want to do now? I mean, the, clearly, this could be a very different Giants team next year, which is the big concern if you are a fan of theirs, that what has this season done for your future? Because I, I think the confidence would have been if you went through and you played in another grand final or had another extended run, then you could probably keep all those guys because everyone's going to be feeling good about the where the team's at. But right now, I, I'm not so sure. But... I don't know. Big off-season for them because I, I don't know what happened in the break, but they've been all over the shop since they've come back again this weekend. So they went from 27 inside 50s last week to 52 in this game. And it, it, I, I don't know. It's just strange. You just never know what you're going to get from this team week to week. Yeah, that's the thing. Is It's it's all over the place. It's it's consistently bad at, at the moment. Um, not as bad as some other teams. Shout out to Essendon fans who are really... Really struggling at the moment, but the Giants see yeah, a lot of expectations and it looks like it's going to end. Things could change, but a lot of results have to go their way. It looks like it's going to end with a season out of the finals, which is obviously a disappointing result for them. Um, we do have a game tonight to finish off round 17, and that is Collingwood. They are in what is a must-win situation, and by must-win, they win this one and they are in. They are... they book their ticket to the final. They lose this one and they can get jumped next week because they have, uh, I believe, Port in round 18. So that's, mm-hmm. you probably pencil that one in as a loss, although Port might ease things off. We don't know how that's going to work, but they they need to win this one, Collingwood. Now they get some big names back, which is uh, good for them to get some you know, form into those guys to push into the finals. Trelaw, Dugowie and Varco, you don't get many better three, uh, three ins than that. And they need to really, you know, percentage doesn't really matter for them here. They just need to get this win and then they can uh, you know, feel pretty good about where they sit or at least feel they can be confident because they're going to make the finals. Yeah, to go back is huge. We spoke about their forward line 
throughout the year. I just don't think they've had any X factor there. And I think, yeah, probably the telltale sign for where Collingwood's at. You just wouldn't have picked this at the start of the season when you looked at the Collingwood team and where you thought they were going to be. Jaden Stevenson dropped again. Yep. Yeah, this is not the first time it's happened this year. And those were the guys. It was Stevenson, Majacek, uh, Hoskin Elliott, and clearly to go is in there, but he's a little bit different. But Hoskin Elliott, Majacek, and Stevenson, the three guys that are all very similar. They can lead up, uh, take grabs, usually beautiful kicks. They, none of them have been able to get it really going this year consistently. Majacek's been pretty good. But uh, I think that, again, it's just a sign that they're very one-dimensional. And playing those three in the same forward 50 just hasn't worked for them. They've been easy to pick off. Pretty predictable. Uh, it always has to be precise. You know, they're not they're not contested marks players. They're guys that you want to let a hit on the lead up, and and the three of them just haven't worked together all season long. The Pies have really struggled to kick goals. So the thing that Dugowie gives you is, yes, he can take a contested mark in a one on one situation if you can isolate him. You feel really good about that. But he also just brings the X factor. The the question I'll have, and this was. Something I've spoken. I'm bringing up Mason Cox again, okay? Josh, yeah, I'm bringing him up. Here we go. Well, well, I, I just think it's interesting to see how Cox and Dugowie work together because I think Cox the last few weeks has been okay because he's given them a target to kick to, but you can't really play him up the ground. He's a guy that sort of has to stay deep because he brings zero pressure when the ball hits the ground. He's just kind of like, well, is he going to take a contested mark or, or then he's out of the contest? So I think with Dugowie, you want to keep him as deep as possible, isolate him if you can. I'm not sure where Mason Cox fits in that uh, in that dynamic within the Pies Ford 50. Yeah, it is one to watch because he has been better, but yeah, this could be one of those games where he has one disposal and doesn't you know, doesn't get near it. Uh, with Dugowie, again being more of a focal point there for them, you'd say they're pretty massive favourites to win this game, but that hasn't really meant anything for many games over the last couple of weeks with surprises happening all over the shop, and they desperately, desperately need this one because if they lose it, then uh, then the finals are really in jeopardy. For Collingwood, but getting those names back and getting those guys to you get some game time and, and just really look at that. Look at that uh, you know, midfield group: you know, Adams, yes. Pendlebury, Trelaw. <laughs> like that—that's a, a massive three. Dacos playing really fantastically up in that midfield group now as well. Yeah, Dugowie can swing in there. This team looks a lot better just by getting these guys back at the right time. Whereas Gold Coast, they lose. You know, last week's I think last week's um, contract extension player, and that was Connor Butterick. He is out at Rising Star nomination. Uh, they do get Jared Harbrow back, but their team just doesn't look like it's really going to be able to compete here as they've fallen off pretty considerably. The Suns uh, to sit at 5-9-1 and one. after their 15 games. Uh, a game that Collingwood needs to win, a game that they should win, but we're not uh, counting anything at, at this point. Now, Kane, I know you're a massive ladder predictor fan. You've been playing around with it. So how, how do how do you see it sitting at the moment in terms of you know who is making making the finals now we we know that the Port Brisbane Richmond Geelong West Coast they're all in right they're in St Kilda takes on the Giants next week the Bulldogs have the Dockers Collingwood has Port you which how are you seeing these teams who is making the eight is it set as it is or do you see Melbourne or GWS yeah somehow pushing their way in well. Uh, I'm telling you, the, the danger game, when I look at these, and first of all, I think the Pies are going to roll through tonight. As you said, uh, I like the look at their lineup. That midfield alone makes me feel confident that they're going to be able to uh, handle the, the the Gold Coast Sun. So I think the Pies are going to lock their spot tonight. And then, you know, clearly the St. Kilda GWS game is one that's going to be interesting. The Saints have the benefit of a pretty good percentage. So as long as they keep that game close, I, I do like their chances. The, the danger game, and, and uh, listen, I'm not saying this to make you feel nervous, nah, Josh, but the danger game is Bulldogs-Frio. 
Freo are in really, really, really good form. Did they take the foot off the gas one week out from the end of the season? I'm not sure. But the team I can see sliding in there potentially is Melbourne for the Dogs uh, because I, I think that, you know, Essendon are just a complete rabble. And uh, listen, I don't like to put any faith in Melbourne. I, it's one thing I, I normally steer clear of, but I think they can handle Essendon. So it's up to the Dogs. They're going to beat Freo. I agree. That is a massive, massive game for the Bulldogs to, you know, up in Cairns, up at Kazali Stadium. Um, Fremantle's been look, Fremantle was shit against GWS they got pumped but they have been put up some really really big performances recently and you're right Melbourne should be able to at least for Melbourne's sake pencil in a game against Essendon that's a, a Melbourne level of penciling in not a, any regular team's <laughs> level of penciling in but they should be able to get that win and they have that big percentage advantage so that is that is the worry there and that game I think is on the Sunday afternoon the Bulldogs and the Dockers the second last game of the season. So we'll, uh, the Bulldogs will know by then whether Melbourne has won, what's happened with St. Kilda GWS, what they need to do in that scenario. But basically, they just need to win and uh, and, and get themselves in. And that is you know, that along with you know, Geelong maintaining that top four spot is probably the, the, the two major games in terms of the shape of the eight. Well, the interesting thing also, if you look at that, that top four scenario, so I, I think the interesting thing, as you sort of pointed to, and I think as fans, I think both both of us will be in, in a better position because I think you like having the results in front of you yeah. and just and just simply knowing you, you got to win. I mean, I, I think, I don't know, I kind of like being in that position. So the Cats and the Swans is also on Sunday afternoon, so they'll know what's at stake there. But the, the top four is interesting because they have just released news sort of in the last, again, 24 hours that West Coast will be able to play that elimination final at Optus Stadium. So, again, these teams that are in 8th, 7th, 6th, they just want to make it. So, uh, you know, I'm sure that they're not too worried about the fact that they might have to go to Perth, but there's no doubt about it. If you finish 8th, you probably get the Eagles at Optus Stadium and, and clearly, um, you know, that's that's a that's a difficult task. So these teams, Secure Bulldogs, Collingwood, Melbourne, Yes, you got to win. You got to get as much percentage as you can. I think you probably do want to avoid finishing eighth. Although, uh, again, you'd probably rather be there than ninth. You would rather be there than ninth, but that is <laughs> that is not not a great spot to be heading there. Like you, you can either you know, finish seventh and, and probably take on St Kilda or Collingwood. Right. Winnable. Um, yeah. The Eagles one is is going to be tough for a team. I don't think they've lost over there all season. If you finish in eighth, and that's going to be key here for for Collingwood as well, because they win this one, then they probably don't. Oh, maybe they could. They could still finish in eighth. I guess if they, yeah, they could. If St Kilda and the Bulldogs win next week, so there's there's huge implications for all of these teams as to avoiding West Coast in that one, but also making the final eight. So lots of intrigue still to come in this season uh, that we somehow have uh, gotten the regular season part of the of the year done somehow, and uh, then moving on to finals after that. But it's been. It's been interesting. There's been upsets. There's been surprises. And we've got one more round to see how it all plays out. Kane, we're going to be talking about footy all during uh, the rest of this week, recapping what uh, whether Collingwood can get the job done over Gold Coast tonight. So thank you for another week of uh, Locked On AFL. No, I'm starting to get pretty fired up. Uh, you know, basketball's basically... Well, basketball's out of the way for me. Stuff basketball, so it's all in on footy now. And by the way, Sam Fasini messaged me late last week, and, and he was really fired up again, and he was ready to talk about Essendon. And I said, listen... Let's just wait until the end of the season and you can let let rip with the end of season review. So any SNN fans listening to the pod, um, you might have some some bombers therapy coming up once their uh, once their season is finally and thankfully over. Yeah, because they've, uh, they've won one game out of the last nine, and that is that is not that good. But if you want to be good, you can go and subscribe to this show. Do it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and please go leave, leave us a five-star review. It's a great way of helping out the program today. 
I'm going to leave you with a shout out to Craig McRae.